Hey everybody and welcome to another exciting and amazing episode of Finding Peaks. Your host, Chris Burns, president and founder, also known, and, I, and I'm not even joking around about this, I celebrate this, recovery cheerleader, joined by my co-host, our chief clinical officer, Jason Friesma. Grateful to have you on the show, sir. Great to be here. And we got our family recovery coach, a community family recovery coach, not just Peaks family recovery coach, but the infamous Lisa Smith <laughs> is joining us today. Wow. Welcome, yeah. Lisa. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And I was having coffee with Lisa a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and we started talking and we got into talking about parenting. Once you know, she has adult sons, I have a six and seven year old, and we just started to kind of um, connect on what, it, what it's like to be a parent and some of the growing pains in that process. And she recommended that I read a book, um, and it was The Journey of a Heroic Parent. Um, the author of that is Brad Reedy. Brad Reedy, Dr. PhD. PhD. Yeah, yes. Brad, Dr. Brad Reedy, M. <laughs> Reedy. Um, and he wrote this book. And, and what he talks about often in the book is his experience walking through the developmental process with his kids. Specifically, he's a um, wilderness, um, a wilderness treatment program owner, and has been for a multitude of years. One of a the more infamous programs out of Salt Lake City, Utah, if I'm remembering yeah, correctly. Yeah, Evoke Wilderness. Evoke mm -hmm. Wilderness. And his story starts around his own personal healing and an intensive that he was in as a result of his son, actually his oldest son, I believe, actually checking into a wilderness program himself. And he thought to himself, where did I go wrong? What happened? And so I wanted to talk today. Um, in my opinion, I have two of the greatest parents that I know that I have the opportunity to counterbalance with often. I want to talk to you guys today about the journey to becoming a heroic parent. Not that any of us own that title today, <laughs> um, or maybe ever will, but I think you all have some really tangible insight into what it might take to not only take care of the ones we love um, with integrity and grace, but more specifically, take great care of ourselves. And so I just kind of want to start the show and open it up um, with your experience as walking, walking the road, not only to personal healing, um, but growing as a parent alongside your loved one. And I think we'll start with Jason. Um, you know, you've shared with me a lot with your adult children, one of which is in college, one's a little bit older, mm -hmm. um, just some of the phases that you've walked through developmentally. And you just have a tremendous amount of insight, not only how to show up as an awesome parent today, present and purposeful, but really you, you have a really cool story on what it took to get there. Maybe you can share that a little bit with oh, us. Man. I feel like there's so much I could talk about uh, with, with being a parent, Chris. And um, as you were kind of doing your intro, certainly what I think about a lot is um, I feel like my parenting shifted a ton when it really clicked in with me that my children are people. Huh. <laughs> and like that sounds interesting uh, to say probably, but just to really realize that that is a person and this isn't, we're in a relationship. Like mm -hmm. this isn't about me trying to control everything they're doing or trying to make me look like a good parent or anything like that. Like, like this is about being in a mutual relationship with uh, a child. And, and obviously there is a hierarchy like in parenting, like you are kind of in charge, especially when they're living at home, but um, really learning to respect and attune with them and, and all of that, I think um, it has been a journey. But really, I, I think, I guess, as I'm getting to my final answer. <laughs> um, I think I really learned how to enjoy that attunement, like enjoy finding ways um, to connect with both of my kids as they were growing up and, and still now um, that I enjoyed. Like I, I certainly was the first 40 something 
person I knew that had a Snapchat, you know, <laughs> and I, um, as, a, as a way to communicate, particularly with my daughter. Yeah. Um, and uh, because I wanted to meet her on her playing field and not just um, kind of look down and judge that. And I kind of wanted to know what it was about, too. So um, I don't know. That's, that's where I'll start. That's interesting you bring that up. I remember sitting with you before I had Instagram. I don't yeah. know if you remember this. Yeah. And you're like, you got the IG, man? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this is like five, six years ago. And I was like, I don't have the IG, Jason. I don't need the IG. And he's yeah. like, oh, you got kids. And you're going to want to stay up to speed on some of this stuff. And yeah. I was like, okay. So I got the IG. Yeah. It's either that or ignore it and, and right. not be attuned to it. Because, like, I mean, it, it, even parenting through that is tricky. It's not like there's a book on, like, okay, what do you do with your kid's Snapchat? Like, obviously, <laughs> I thought it was a horrible app, but... Also, it's a way to connect and communicate, and it's actually a primary way that, at least at that time, teenagers were connecting. And so um, we just leaned into that world and tried to engage with conversation and relationship to address it. So, I love that. Yeah, and your, your piece about being relational really just speaks volumes, and um, we'll get back to that in a moment. But for you, Lisa, what has it been like for you on this journey, on this path? And I think even some of the viewers who have watched our show consistently probably know a little bit about your story. Sure. I was also thinking when you were doing your intro about like, how does that relate to me? And I think you nailed it. I'll use different words, but it truly is a journey, not an arrival point. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, you have these kids and they show up in the world and you've got an expectation for who they're going to be. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably fairly normal yeah. was for me. Uh -huh. And, um, the journey of discovering who they are and that, that I actually had no control over that. Right. <laughs> and um, they were who they were. And um, the fact that I have two and they were completely different from their arrival on earth, um, much to my surprise, huh. um, was you know kind of probably precursor to this is going to be a journey. Um, but it is over and over and over learning that it is a daily journey. And if you don't see it as a journey and experience it as a journey, you will miss it. Yeah. And then you'll get to an arrival point and you will have missed so many opportunities to connect and grow together and heal and change and become a different person and yourself and watch them become their best people. Um, and so it, it really is about going out and then coming back together um, and that journey, that hero's journey, that true hero's journey, which is <clears throat> the premise behind the book. Yeah, I love that. Um, and the journey, the journey, I think, oftentimes starts with, at least to Brad Reedy's point, is the journey starts with us, right? And discomfort. And discomfort. <laughs> and a lot of discomfort, because we actually have to take the external motivation and create internal motivation for ourselves and our healing. And Jason touched on it really well as, as far as the relational piece. Um, I think, I don't know about your guys' upbringing, and it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with your parents, it's more generational. But to be relational with kids is something very, very new. Yeah. Um, how did you come to grips with being relational with your kids? Uh, <laughs> how did I come? I was forced, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, I was forced to really let go of my plan and my path, and my expectations, um, because I had, well, both of my kids really stretched those um, expectations a lot, but one in particular stretched them in really scary ways. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was thrown into um, 
I, th I believe I've said it actually on this show before, that my moment of clarity was my son's not gonna make it out of this, and so where am I with my last interaction with him? Mm. And that was, I know exactly where I was that day. Mm. I know the month, I don't remember the exact date. But um, that was for me when everything started to change in my life. And I became an intentional parent and an intentional person. And I don't always get it right. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I fall back into old patterns, but I try to navigate forward a little differently, understanding very clearly that um, I was face to face with this could be my last interaction with my child. Mm -hmm. And am I okay with that? Am I okay with how it went down? Yeah. And that's, I think that's just really <laughs> profound for the viewers to hear because here we are in a really high risk situation, high risk coping. You know that our loved ones are walking through and actually your work tells you to let go mm -hmm. and it's it's not the let go of the intervention style like set a hard boundary and say you can't do this or these non-negotiables it's literally let go with love mm. and that has to be and you know i have a six and seven year old i haven't had to walk through that type of intensity but i think that experience for the viewers to hear and specifically parents that are struggling with loved ones i think that's really really important it's like the best thing we can do in these times of crisis is go inward I mean, that's, that's really, really cool. And for you to be able to find that in that moment, I think just speaks volumes for the opportunity to heal um, one day at a time. And Jason, too, you have a little bit different of a story, but I still think there's some inflection points in and around, you know, your kids leaving to college, mm -hmm. you know, Kezzy leaving to college or whatever it might be. But maybe talk a little bit about how did you come to terms or how did you find the wherewithal and the insight to be relational with these humans long before anybody was really talking about it. Yeah, it, it, it's a, I mean, I have great kids, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think, I think that's a good question, Chris. Like, I think, I really, somewhere along the way, I came across a quote that, like, um, well, and I can't even remember how it goes, actually, but it, it somehow talked about a boat, um, but kind of like that you don't build a boat for it to stay in the harbor, right? Like the boat is meant to go sail. Uh -huh. And it, having kind of the realization that like when, it, when your child is born, like you kind of have full control over them. And then as they get older, like the Venn diagram, like the, the overlap uh -huh. of your lives is just a slow release. Like whether it's dropping a kid off for kindergarten or first grade or, yeah. um, you know, that's a little step out, a little more independence, a little more... Um, them expressing themselves. And I think I, think I learned how to um, grieve what I experienced as losses at times. Like even, Chris, we had talked about like um, my daughter <clears throat> this summer has decided to stay at, uh, in her college town of Fort Collins and uh, not come home. And like I both feel uh, mm -hmm. deeply devastated because <laughs> um, I like being around her and uh, just really excited for her that she's found... Um, a way to make a home for herself that isn't in our house. And like, um, in realizing like that's how it's meant to be, even if it is painful mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. You actually bring up something that's really synonymous with the book and Brad Reedy talks about, and I won't try and quote it because I won't come anywhere yeah. close, but he says when we, when we paddle away from the harbor, we have to expect that we won't see the shore for a while. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's the journey I think you guys are talking about embarking on. And that can be incredibly scary so how was it for you, Lisa, when you begin to paddle away from the shore, which is our loved ones, 
and go out, and then you look around, and I, I don't see the solution in sight. I don't see the mm -hmm. end in sight. My loved one may or may not still be struggling. Um, I think a lot of parents can relate to that, but um, how did you feel in that situation, and what did you do to manage it and move through it? Well, after I, like, fought it, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's paddling away from, you know, the, the safety of our loved ones and our family um, and the control that, the perceived control that we thought we had and, like, we're, I'm going to build this boat and it's going to go on in this direction. Yeah. That's how it's yeah. going to go, right? Yeah. Like, of course I know the boat's going to go, but it's going to go this way. Um, and our boat was not going that way. Yeah. Um, it was going in a really not a good way. Yeah. Um, but also, I had to paddle out so that I could hear myself. Um, and, and quiet the commercials and some of the professionals and, um, you know, the, the social media people that my friends, my, uh, my own family of origin and how things had been done and, you know, who we are as people and how we do this. And I had to get quiet to hear myself mm -hmm. so that I could hear, like, <clears throat> find my North Star. Mm. Um, and, you know, kind of just realign with my own value system and my own self and then say, okay, so now I can paddle back and feel confident in um, hearing the chatter, seeing what's going around me, allowing other people to do things differently, and knowing for sure that this was how I was going to navigate forward um, because I had some time. I really love the way that you explain that, too. And, and the chatter oftentimes mm -hmm. can feel community-based as well. You know, he talks about it a lot in the book when he said he was just had so much shame to even talk about some of these things with other parents. He felt like he was all alone. And then the way he was actually dealing with it, and it probably sounds similar to the way you're dealing with it, it's often a different way to parent, a more open-minded way to parent, a more progressive way to look at things of which a lot of parents who aren't dealing with similar issues aren't making those types of decisions. And so what did you do from a community-based perspective? Because I, I just have to know, for, I have to believe that the viewers that are watching right now, like their parents, are experiencing a tremendous amount of shame. Mm -hmm. How do you move through that in community, aligned with community, and um, staying safe throughout that process? Well, I think it's super important to find a safe group of people. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe it helps for those same people to have lived experience similar mm -hmm. to you, um, because particularly when you're talking about mental health struggles or substance use struggles, kind of all the same, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's its own unique challenge um, that isn't, isn't embraced in a yeah. lot of other areas. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I was a teacher for many years, and I remember sitting with a parent once who was just distraught because her child was not, she was, they were not doing well um, in a lot of things. Uh -huh. And um, I just, I had no answers because <laughs> there was a lot of things that weren't going right. Sure. Um, but I remember saying it can be, and I was in the middle of my own journey, um, so without sharing, I just said, it can feel extremely isolating when you have a child who's struggling. Mm -hmm. And just that, like that person could tell that somehow I knew, like I had personal experience with the isolation and pain and struggle that they were going through. And I think it's really important to find safe spaces like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to find people who can give you space to hear your own voice, find mm -hmm. your own voice, ask you hard questions. Yeah. Um, 
about your intentions, about your expectations, about you know how or why you're engaging a certain way, right. um, and then offer support without offering the solutions. Yeah. Just being able to say, this is gonna be bumpy and it might be long, and I'm here yeah. to walk with you. I love that too. It almost exercises a little bit of the power of now because I think a lot of parents, when we get into these processes, whether it's youth or adolescents going to a wilderness camp or people checking in to treatment programs, we believe we're isolated and all alone and not a lot of people can relate. Um, and that can be very, very disconnecting. And so I love, I love the way you said there as far as safety goes. Because we can go into certain rooms and probably not as safe to share that information. And so time and place, set and setting become really important. But you reminded me of a part in the book as well where he brings his, one of his daughters out to the wilderness camp. And I think parents sometimes when they send their loved ones to Peaks Recovery or an adolescent treatment program, we believe things will never be good again. This is bad. And I love, I love to bring in the power of now because we actually don't know if these things are bad until we walk through them. And he brought his, one of his daughters, I think she was 11 or 12 years old, he brought her out for a week-long intensive at one of the, the campsites that all the, client, the kids were out at. And the kids were sharing openly about emotions and feelings and thoughts and insights and opportunities. And um, when they got back in the car to head out, he said, said, how was your week? She said, that was one of the best weeks I have ever had. And he's like, why? He's like, I've never been around people that are my age that can share so openly about who they are, what they are, where they want to go, presently attuned. And so in the midst of crisis, in the midst of something that oftentimes sets up to be like, oh my gosh, here we go, these young people are actually gaining a tremendous amount of insight of which their other peers aren't seeing. And his daughter found a tremendous amount of gratitude out of that. And so I kind of want to highlight, you know, do you believe today that everything you walk through was absolutely of value considering where we sit today. <laughs> I would not go back and do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna do a rerun. <laughs> I would not have chosen this path. Sure. Um, and I have chosen to be intentional around, um, you know, the opportunity to learn amidst the fire. Um, and I want to go back to something that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important in looking for support to understand what you're looking for and be really clear and honest with yourself about what it is that you need. Do you need to remain in um, kind of the ownership of victimhood of your circumstances or do you truly need support? And there are people to this day mm -hmm. that, that are not um, privy to my story, even though I speak it loudly, mm -hmm. um, if I meet them in you know, the grocery store and they ask a question, they are not um, somebody who I feel safe giving that whole story to. I might give parts right. of it. Um, or even if they know, to be honest with you, I don't share it because sure. they aren't my people and they aren't the people that will support me. They're the people that will keep me unhealthy. Sure. Um, and then I have lanes of people that, that care about my son and I will share bits and pieces, but that's his story to share. Um, and then I have people that are my people that I have shared how it has affected me. And they don't even have details of my son's story. Right. Um, and as soon as I get asked questions of details, um, you know, well, 
you know, what substances was he using or right. like, like details, even family members, to be honest with you, I will, um, I'll shut it down and yeah. just, you know, let, let them know that this isn't a, this isn't a place that I'm going to go because it's not healthy for me. Um, to, to look back and go back to those places um, that I'm looking forward. So I, I just kind of wanted to clarify that. Yeah. I think it's important Very in your, your safety lanes that mm -hmm. you understand that there's different lanes yeah. um, and what you need out of those different lanes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was talking to Jason yesterday about some other stuff, and he said, I hope you have support. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And uh, I did. I said, I have, I have my people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have my people that I go to um, <clears throat> that do support me. And that I can say, you know, this, this is hard. This is hard for me. And I've, I've fallen, fallen back into some patterns that I'm not super proud of or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, and those are, you know, those are for my private healing places. But, yeah, um, yeah. anyways, I got lost in your other question because I wanted to circle back to the, no, the lanes of safety. I, I think, think it's really important because I think sometimes <laughs> when, we, when we're overloaded with intensity and crisis, like we just... We're just dying to dump it on someone or dying to share it with somebody. And sometimes that can be counterproductive. Yeah. You go into places and, and exacerbate the shame or exacerbate the pain. So I, I'm grateful that you actually circled back and brought that up because it's, it's really, really important. Because um, I've gone into, you know, I'm an old 12-stepper. And so you just kind of share with whoever's sitting in front of you. And I've been hit with a hammer because of it or one that I didn't see coming. And so safety and being mindful of that and creating community in a safe lane of which to share this stuff with different people, I think, not only counterbalances it and splits it 50-50, um, but keeps the healing journey moving forward. And when you're searching for that for yourself, I think you, you recognize it because you're receiving it, hopefully. And then you're able to then model it and be that safe space for your loved one, for your person, mm -hmm. um, because you understand what it feels like to have had that safe space given to you. Mm -hmm. That it, it wasn't about somebody, my safest people did not try and fix it. Yeah. I mean, my safest people were acknowledged that this was a really scary thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then can, you know, another lane wanted more details and those people weren't safe. So yeah. um, you know, when I was able to then create safe spaces for my own kids, um, it is, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you're going through this. It's really hard. Yeah. And I work really hard to not jump into the fixing mode. Yeah. <laughs> and just whoop, full stop. Yeah. yeah. Full stop. I struggle with this sometimes too. I want to repair. I want to fix. I want to change, especially with six and seven year olds. Like, and then what oftentimes comes out of me is like, you're not hurt. Let's go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're not hurt. Let's go. Yeah. You know? But that's putting your experience on exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ask a tougher question. As we, as we get ready to wrap things up, and both individually for each one of you, what was it <clears throat> that was really important for you to work through so that you could show up with clarity um, in the greatness of which I watch you guys show up with as parents on a daily basis? What was it? Because in, in Brad Reedy's book, he basically says, for the viewers out there, if you have a struggling loved one, take great care of yourself. Mm. Go inward, and you mm -hmm. talked about it on the front end. So, what, what does that look like, Jason? Hmm. I think, you know, for me, um, I mean, it probably took me all the way till my kids were teenagers, uh, probably well into their teenager-ness, um, to realize that any, like, hot buttons I had around my kids were my hot buttons, not their hot. Like, uh -huh. it, it feels like they're pushing my buttons, but for me, it actually is I'm just they're exposing my button. 
you know, and, and this isn't necessarily my example or whatever, but like, you know, like if, if you're really hung up on manners or something like that, it's about, usually it's about you're revealing my own shame, that, it, that you might think that I'm a bad parent if my kids don't have good manners around you or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I probably still bump into that from time to time too, where it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a moment where I'm feeling some judgment from other people or whatever. And so I, um, if it hits that spot, it's, it's like, I feel embarrassed about maybe something my kids are doing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, that's my stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, cause we all have, we've talked about this before. We all have, all of us have, I'm a bad parent, shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't care how hard we work on it. Um, uh, it still exists and it'll still flare up from, from time to time. And when we experience shame, we immediately want to hide it. <laughs> like uh -huh. we want, that's our initial reaction is to hide it. And so how we try to hide it usually is through, uh, control, like get back and, yeah, yeah. you know, get dude, yeah. like, stop. Yeah. Um, but really if slowing that down and being like, okay, you know what, actually this is revealing, um, a button in me. Um, and probably it's actually a place that like, um, my kid needs to be in relationship with me and I need to be in relationship with them. Cause it, if I'm bumping into a shame spot, there's probably something mm. going on there or whatever. Um, you know, I think about like, for me, even that happened recently, like my, my son who's in his early twenties, like he left and then COVID happened and the world seemed like it was going to end for a little while. I don't know if y'all remember, <laughs> I don't know if you had COVID where you're watching, but like, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, right. um, and so he moved back home and, and back into the basement and, um, and I always had to put that modifier, like, no, he launched, but like he came back cause of COVID mm -hmm. and like, that's right. That's yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, that's my bump right there. It's not his. I don't have to modify it like that's that. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, thank you for that's mm -hmm. yeah amazing insight. How's that striking for yeah. you? Yeah, similar. Yeah. I'll yeah. use some different languages, but really, it's about releasing my kids from an outcome that I need. Uh -huh. um, and and I have to remind myself that of on on kind of on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, you know that their success, I actually, with groups that I work with and, and people I work with, I am conscious of saying I'm super careful using the word pride. I, I don't use it myself personally with my own children because if I'm gonna own that, I gotta own the other stuff too. And mm. that's not mine to own. Yeah. And I spent a lot of years working on that. Yeah. So I also am not gonna own the, the, the awesome things. I can own pride that my kids are walking into their true selves, um, but it needs to be about them, and I check myself on a regular basis with that one. So I would say it's really about releasing my kids from my expectations of who they should be and the outcome of um, what I would like that to, to look like um, with everything, what they say, how they dress, yeah. what, their mustaches, <laughs> their mustaches, I and tattoos. It. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, they, you guys bring up such good points. Like, it's, we need to release our shame, um, yeah. and that's the hot buttons. Whenever I have a hard edge, I even noticed it with Garrick being in here earlier. I'm like, just sit down. You know, it's it's difficult. One of the things that was really difficult for me was, um, as I've had an opportunity to move through my experience with a therapist and with others. I started to realize in my, uh, certainly in my um, developmental years, my adolescence, I never had the opportunity to just be a kid. To touch stuff, to mm -hmm. throw things, to mess stuff up, to spill stuff on the floor. I just never really had that opportunity. Anytime I was doing behaviors that are 
primarily associated with just being a kid. Um, it was, you can't do that, clean it up. Or you spill something, you gotta do it. And so I found myself, when I started having kids, of having those really hard edges. And then I, it was my shame showing up in that moment. And I had to do a really, really deep dive on my adolescent experience, specifically my childhood trauma, and begin to repair some of those roots for myself so they don't inform the way that I parent my kids. And there's actually not a lot wrong with, I've realized it, being in Target if a six-year-old wants to touch the candy bars um, or touch some toys. There's actually not a lot wrong with it. But in my worldview, it was this thing that was, that's not what adults do. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So I've had a lot of those experiences, yeah. a lot like your, yourselves, and have this opportunity to reflect. And I'm just grateful to be able to be in a room today with parents that are in the process of their healing and recovery journeys. Because I think that's what you guys have kind of dialed in so profoundly for our viewers today is that we actually need to embark on alongside our loved one or preemptive to our loved one, a healing journey for ourselves and what that can do for the individuals that we love and care about so much. So um, if you all don't have anything else to share, I'm going to wrap it up here. I think it's a great spot to wrap up. I appreciate you all coming on the show today. Um, if you want to check out the book, I thought it was really, really cool, and it actually didn't even speak to me. He didn't talk a lot about the developmental years that my kids are in, which is six and seven, talked more about teens and young adults. Um, but it really it creates some uh, really valuable insight into the journey or the path forward, and it doesn't have to be as scary as I think we're making it out to be. Um, and to Lisa's point and Jace's point, when we find community, and we can walk and anchor, when we can walk with them and anchor into that strength and that connection, um, it makes it much more easy to deal with. It's not easy, it makes it much, much easier to deal with. Totally. The only piece I'll add to what you just said is, um, you know, the more, the more you invest in the relationship with your kids, like the more delightful it is to be with them, hmm. right? Like it's, it just becomes more and more fun. And even if they go through seasons where they're less fun to be around, like there still is that bond and, and moments of delight anyway where um, you can really enjoy them. And that makes a lot of things, makes hard conversations easier. It makes, uh, yeah, makes, it, it just helps kind of build, um, I don't know, the lore of your family. Like, I mean, we can, like my kids are obviously older now, but like we can talk through some of our big events of like, um, issues from childhood and like we can talk about and even joke about it because it's just part of our family story that we all now can kind of still delight in because our relationship has made it through. It's the journey. Yeah, yeah it is. Right? That's it's exactly the journey. Right. And if, if you aren't conscious and intentional that this is a journey, mm -hmm. you miss it. Yeah. And to divorce from the outcome too yeah. is really, really important. It isn't about what I need. Yeah. It, my, my kid's not going to give me what I need. Right. You know, and letting go of what that, what that outcome might look like and where it's going to be and what career path and all of that stuff um, can be really efficacious for that healing process. And he talks, and I'll end with this, he, he, he talks about a lot in the book, you guys kind of made me think about it, but he talks about a lot in the book how, we, um, how parents sometimes when kids go to treatment for substance use, why quit drinking? And then Joey came home and he drank, and I am so upset at him right now because I stopped drinking. <laughs> right? Yeah. And actually, I didn't stop drinking for myself, which is a great thing if we want to do that for yeah. ourselves, but it has, we have to own that. Yeah. It can't be about our person. And so I've gotten into that a lot of times to produce change in my children. I'm going to change for myself, and it just doesn't work out very well that way. Yeah. 
So, well, thank you both for just a tremendous amount of insight. I know the viewers are absolutely going to love this show, specifically parents of loved ones, which we work a lot with. And um, I look forward to having you all on the show again. Uh, thank you all very much for tuning in. Um, questions, please, please flood us with your questions, comments, questions at findingpeaks.com. We'd love to bring those up in an episode, create an episode around your questions. Um, we just want to show up for you and your loved ones. So thank you all for coming on the show. Jason, Thanks Lisa, so always Thanks a pleasure having you. Um, until next time, please find us on all of your available social media outlets, podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. If I missed anything, I'll get it next time. Until then, peace.